Hello and welcome to a Wednesday night edition of the To The Point Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Noel Warren. And tonight we're going to be talking about the World Juniors, uh, specifically Canada's game last night against Switzerland, but also some dominating performances yesterday from uh, the Russians and also uh, the United States beating the Czech Republic. But just to give you guys an update, Canada is 3-0 in the tournament. They're going to be playing Finland tomorrow. It'll be for the group. The winner of the group will play the four seed on the other side, which the other group has the United States, Sweden, Czechs, and the state. So likely it will be the Czech Republic, but that's not decided yet. There's still um, some work to be done on that side. So it could be a tougher matchup in the quarterfinal for Canada. You know, if the Russians were to be upset um, against, well, I get they play Sweden tonight. So it wouldn't be exactly an upset, but if the Czechs can win against the, uh, against Austria in a pretty decent fashion, get a good uh, a goals margin. They may have an outside chance, but it looks like it'll be Canada, Czech Republic, because I think Canada will beat Finland tomorrow. Um, on the other side, Sweden's 2-0. They they still they have two games left against Russia and, and the States in back-to-back nights. I think they've looked really good thus far. Um, Soderstrom, number eight, their assistant captain on defense, watch him. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of hype about Bowen Byram. I think Soderstrom's just as good, if not better, than him in this tournament so far. Byram's been a liability to me. Um, and Soderstrom's has played really well. Also, um, for, for Sweden, they have a six foot eight forward, uh, Soder, uh, Soderblom, number 25. He's so skilled. I mean, obviously, he's going to create a great net front presence, but he's really a threat to score. He's got some great hands in front of the net. And I think for an NHL team, he could be the Thomas Holstrom, but more effective just because he's bigger. He's going to be harder to move. And honestly, for uh, for a kid that big, he skates pretty well. So Sweden's won 54 straight preliminary round games. Um, and they, they've, they've looked the part so far. They're missing their head coach coming into the tournament. They've had some adversity already with COVID-19 issues. And they've handled it great. So I give them kudos. I do think their streak will end. Obviously, it was since 2006 they haven't lost in the preliminary round. I think they'll lose to the U.S. tomorrow night. I think they can beat the Russians tonight. They could they could still easily lose. I can I think they'll win against the Russians tonight. But the United States to me is the second best tournament, second best team in the tournament, and so far they're the best team in the tournament. Um, even though they lost to Russia in their opener, I think they've been way more consistent than Canada. Canada's played three games and I think they played three poor games and they've won 16, two and 10, nothing. So I know that sounds anti-Semitic, but um, you know, the U S just has been more consistent. You know, they played the Czech Republic, a way tougher team than the Slovaks and they beat them seven, nothing yesterday. And we just seen the United States have some really key performance. Trevor Zegras, he went ninth overall to the uh, Anaheim Ducks in 2019. He stepped up. He had five points yesterday. He's currently one point ahead of Dylan Cousins for the tournament lead in uh, scoring. He's just a threat every time he's on the ice. He's got a fantastic wrist shot. And he's really improved since last year. Last year, he was kind of the 13th forward. That he had a lot of assists in the tournament. I didn't find he was that good of a player. And I had friends texting me, this is so I didn't see it. I thought he was – I thought he was Connor Garland in junior where he – was a selfish player and I know it's not, he had nine assists in the tournament, but he always wanted the puck and I don't, he didn't back check. He didn't tr- even try back checking, which is Garland to a T. And, um, but he's, his game is, 
filled out. Um, he's dangerous with the puck. They also have Cole Caulfield, who's looked who's looked great so far for them as well. Um, Cam York on defense is just a really stable presence. And, you know, Spencer Knight came into the tournament as the favorite to be the starting goalie. But I think Dustin Wolf has won the job right now. They're both first-round pick goaltenders, so they were very deep in the position. But I expect to see Dustin Wolf make the start for the U.S. tomorrow against, against Sweden. So I think that's the game of the preliminary round because just those two teams have been fairly consistent thus far. And um, obviously Canada-Finland will be another good game. So tomorrow, expect to see some good hockey. Um, the Russians last night, you know, they lost a shocker to the Czech Republic, two nothing. Uh, the Czechs kind of played like Slovakia did against Canada, except you know I think they did it a little bit more effectively because they took a few more risks. They killed off penalties after the penalty was killed off. Guy got out of the box. They went down a three on two, put the puck in the net. They added a goal early in the third period, and they hung on to win two nothing. Parik, their starting netminder, played fantastic, got the shutout, and. You know, the Russians just haven't had that offensive flair from two of their top players until last night against Austria. And that is uh, Vasily Potkolzin, who this is his third World Junior Championship, played in it originally as a 17-year-old. And uh, Rodian Amirov, who was the first-round pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs in this past year's draft. And, you know, in the game against the U.S. and in the game against, uh, in the, game against the Czech Republic, both players were really non-existent. Um, Potkolzin, in particular, he's a captain. You know, he's, he's got a lot in his shoulders and he just hadn't produced until that point. And, you know, Mirov, he's going to get more attention just because he's a Toronto draft pick, but he's also a very talented player. So um, for them to be consistent and to win, they need solid efforts from them night in and night out. And they got that last night, but bear in mind, they got it against Austria. Austria, to me, I know that Switzerland's a pretty bad team too, but Austria's really bad, but besides their goaltender, Fulton Weeds, he, uh, he's, he didn't play last night just cause I think he was so damn tired uh, coming off a of back-to-back, but he played against Sweden where he faced 67 shots and he, uh, they only lost four, nothing. They're out shot 67 to six for the whole game. And, um, he played, he lost to the United States 11, nothing. And I think he led in seven, but he made 34 of his first 35 saves and really Austria doesn't have any goal scoring abilities other than Marco Rossi, the first, first round pick ninth overall this past year. So, you know, put Coles in last night, gets on the board, he gets two goals in the first period, but there's still something left there. I mean, his goals and Amirov scored in the first period as well on a, on a penalty shot, but you're playing against the weakest team here in your group. You know, the games are only going to get harder. I mentioned they play Sweden tonight, so that's not an easy game for them. So it's time to ship it, ship in or ship out for the for the Russians here. Askarov has been solid in that. Um, led in three against the U.S., led in two against the Czech Republic. Didn't play last night, so five goals in two games, that's that's okay. He's still very erratic in the net. He would scare me if, if I played in the team. But um, all in all, I think the Russians have a good team. They have a lot more potential. They just need to find it. Um, I mentioned uh, Habadulin. He's their, I think he's their best defenseman by far. First round pick in the New Jersey Devils. He's a player to look out for in this tournament. He wasn't an X factor for me before the tournament, but I've watched every game of the tournament so far. You know, I've worked some days here and I've taped the games, taped the afternoon ones and watched them. And, you know, there's been a debate on Twitter too. I thought I'd bring this up. 
the past 24 hours, the Sun 66 arrow of uh, Sportsnet talk about this, how the tournament should be shrunk to five or six teams and just include the best teams. And I disagree with that completely. Um, there's, there's a reason why these bad teams that get blown out should come. And it's the experience. I don't think people can quantify that enough. This year, there's no fans. So, you know, there's no parents there. It's not the same thing. We see them through Zoom on the TSN telecasts. But parents that go there from Austria or, you know, coming from Switzerland or what have you, they get something out of this experience. Yeah, they may never play NHL hockey, but they can say they played at the World Juniors. They played in the top group. They didn't play in Group B where they were they qualified from re, re, relegation. They got here. They got to play in, in it. They got to experience it, come to North America. Maybe some of them had never been to North America in their life and come here to Edmonton, you know, Toronto, Montreal, two of the past five years. So it's an experience more than anything. And it's – I also think – we see some really great players, you know, in this, in six, six arrows system, we wouldn't see Germany in this tournament. So that means no Tim Stutzla. Tim Stutzla has been phenomenal. They beat Slovakia the other night. He was the best player. He had three points. He, you know, on a shorthanded German team, he's played great all tournament third overall pick in the draft. I want to watch him. I want to watch Tim Stutzla because guess what? He went third all these other players that you're talking like other teams. Yeah. Switzerland does not have a first round pick, but guess what? In years past, they've had Nico Heischer go number one. They've had Nito Niederreiter in the past. They've had players go high in the draft from these, from these countries and people just seem to forget about it. And it bothers me because, you know, what about those great, you know, they're out of, out of it right now, but Denmark, you know, in 2015, I think of them, Staying in the staying in the top group when they seemed like they didn't have a chance, they made the quarterfinals, and it was a shock, but they did it. And it's those moments that you can appreciate. You know, an Oscar Dansk in net, he never did anything in the NHL, but he played great at the World Juniors. You know, Slovakia. Uh, they talked about it on the telecast the other night. Martin Reway, he didn't make the NHL, but he was phenomenal at this tournament. One of the laziest. The uh, back checkers I've ever seen, but he was great to watch in the power play. He could finish better than anybody. And I'll remember him at this tournament forever. And it's just, it's little moments like that, that I think we have to remember. And yeah, we saw Canada win 16 to two. And we saw a 10, nothing last night, but it's not like this every year. Canada doesn't have 21st round picks every year on, on their team every year. And they don't always just cruise to victories. Switzerland has given Canada a tough time in a lot of world junior games. They, they've only beaten them. They've only taken them to a shootout. That was the closest they got to beating them. But they've been involved in a lot of one-goal games where the goaltender plays great. And I just think this is overreactionary where you have the best tournament. Please don't fuck it up. You know, we see uh, leagues want to screw up their playoff format. The NHL playoff format, in my opinion, should never be changed. Especially... The uh, overtime where it's continuous, I never want that changed. I don't want to – God forbid, if this ever happens where there's a shootout, I if, if I, I don't root for a team, but I love hockey. If I was a fan and I it was like, say, okay, four overtimes and it goes to a gimmick, which is what I call the shootout, I'd lose my mind. 
I'd be one of those guys back in the day in golf. There used to be people that watch the TV and they call the golf channel and say, okay, this guy's cheating. Look at it on TV. You know, Rick sitting on the couch. Well, every Rick sitting on the couch, drinking 12 beer and then seeing a shootout at the end of, of the night when he stayed up and he's got to be to work in four hours, he'd lose it. And I would too, as a fan, because it's not, it's not hockey. And this tournament, I think it's perfect the way it is. I watch every game. I love content. And, you know, when I don't work, I like having a game on at three, three o'clock in the afternoon. And I don't care if it's Switzerland, Germany, I'm going to watch it. That's just how I'm programmed and taking away content, you know, you know, six, six, zero, who does Tim and Sid, if you're not familiar with them, like you, you, you run a content show and you don't want content. So what you, you want to talk about the Toronto Raptors and Toronto Maple Leafs for two and a half hours. You know, you can, you can uh, differentiate yourself and talk about other things. I know it's tough and, you know, it's tough to flip that channel, but you can do it Sportsnet. but yeah, uh, that's just my little rant for the day. Um, but yeah, the Russians, fun transition. The Russians are playing well. And I just think it's, it's, it's just, it's time for them to show, show what they're made of. They play Sweden tonight. I think we'll see a scar off against uh, Hugo Unfeld, who's a really been great in the tournament for Sweden as well. So a good game on the slate tonight, but Last night, we saw Team Canada improve to 3-0, like I mentioned, with a 10-0 victory over Switzerland. Uh, De- Devin Levi made his third start, um, shutout, first shutout of the tournament. Um, he really didn't have a lot of work, but he made every save he had to. He's clearly the number one goaltender. I thought we might see um, Dylan Guerin play against uh, Slovakia. He didn't on a back-to-back. You know, he only got action in the third period of the Germany game because it was basically, you know, it was out of hand. It was like a coach pulling a first string quarterback when they're up by 40. So uh, real strong signs from Levi. He's not great handling the puck, but I'd say most goaltenders in this tournament aren't, you know, they just don't have that touch yet. They don't have that experience working with a goalie coach, I think is um, so important here. And um so that's a weakness in his game, but I just tell him to stay in your net. You got so many good defensemen back there that can help you. Um, you know, Jordan Spence, who's the seventh D, the healthy scratch, you know, he's a fourth rounder, but he's, you know, one Q defenseman of the year last year. But if we're all being fair, behind the six D, he should be the seventh D that's scratched. So it's just, you know, I think Levi just needs to simplify his game, make the saves that you're making, you're playing great, and just worry, let the D handle transitions, breakouts. And I know that's tough right now because I don't think Canada's been good at them at all. But the first period last night, it wasn't a good one for Canada. First five minutes were great. Uh, they outshot Switzerland 13-3 in the period. I thought their first five minutes was the best five minutes of hockey they played in this tournament. They came out aggressive. On the boards, they did not let Switzerland breathe. We saw Quentin Byfield. We knew he was going to have a big game in the first period, and he didn't even – it wasn't because he had a point in that first period. It was because he did not let – he didn't let anybody – He had when he was on the boards, he was winning puck battles. He was making things happen. And, he, you know, last night he changed from Casper to uh, – I don't know, you know – Something, let me think of something vibrant, something really, something really fun. He changed from Casper to Walter White. Now that's a tough transition, but 
Walter White uh, is hidden, but at the end, he's well-known. He's right out there. So I'd say Byfield came in with a lot of pizzazz. He's kind of like Entourage, the show. He, he, started, he starts off with all the hype, which he was, second overall pick. Gets to the stage, and he kind of sucks. And then after a while, you realize the guy's a star. So there's, there's a better transition. But a tough night. A tough, a tough night for Switzerland. Clearly, they're not, they were overmatched from jump, and they just they couldn't they couldn't play with with Canada. But you know, we saw Canada get three power plays in the first period, and all three of them were terrible, stagnant, not creative, not moving the puck enough. And if I was Canada, they're not going to do this. But Bowen Byram, I get it; he's an offensive threat. But Justin Barron is a really good power play defenseman. And I think they should give him a look just to see. And I know Byram's, you know, he's where's the C every second night. So Andre Tourney's not going to do it. You know, I think coaches sometimes get locked in on players and it's, you know, their name brand because he's a fourth overall pick in the draft. You would never think of making that change, but Byram, I hear Ferraro and Gord Miller talk him up a ton we must be have different TVs because he hasn't been good for me. But like I said, first period, their power play was god awful. It went over three, ugly. Um, you know, Switzerland went over one in the period. But after, you know, they took, they took, a, uh, they got the power plays. But after the power plays, they did, they played about eight minutes, five on five, and they got nothing. They were there was no flow to the game. Canada wasn't aggressive. They lost all the momentum they had in that first period. And obviously the second period and beyond, they get some traction, but I still think that first period is really alarming to me. Um, one good thing I, I saw from the first period in the game as a whole is the line of Dylan Holloway, Dylan Cousins, and Connor McMichael. And I, I really liked Holloway playing with um, Jakob Pelche and Newhook, which I still think would be a great line. But, you know, Cousins has been one of the best players in the tournament, if not the best player so far. And McMichael, I think, is Canada's most dangerous forward. When he gets the puck on his stick, he's always a threat to score. I think he's he's, he's the Nolan Foot of last year's tournament. Nolan Foot, if you remember, he's big kid, big shot, and he could score from anywhere. You know, McMichael has got a great wrister, and he's really creative with the puck too. So he's good to have with Cousins because Cousins just is, is a worker. Cousins has just been proving in this tournament he's an NHLer. He's going to be playing for Buffalo this year, no doubt in my mind. And I think he'll play top six minutes there. He's just he works really hard. Um, and and when he gets it, he can do. He's skilled too. He can finish at the net. He can find players open. And um, just I think Cousins is just it's been a coming out party for him. He had a good tournament last year, and he's only building on it so far in the twenty. 21 world junior championships and just leading on that um you know their power play finally got going the second period with dylan cousins scored a power play goal from uh, cole perfetti and Connor mcmichael so we see this is this is a theme they get some more power play goals as the game goes along but i still think you know they're playing against switzerland who's a terrible team so i'm not going to prop up a, a switzerland win uh you know me and my mom were kind of fighting about this last night and, you know, she's a mom. 
she likes to credit people, which is good. You know, I'm a hard ass. I can admit that, but you know, she likes to, to be nicer than me. And, um, you know, I haven't seen Canada play a good team yet and I haven't seen them play a good game yet. So last night was no, was no different. I mean, it, it was, by the end, it was hard to watch. And, you know, we saw a beret of people get on the board. Jakob Peltier scored. Ryan Suzuki scored again. Obviously, Philip Tomasino opened the scoring in the first period. And um, the night, really, the player of the game was Quentin Byfield. He had five points, two goals, three assists. And just beyond the statistics, he just jumped off the page. I mentioned the board play. You know, he looked like the six foot four, 210-pound player that he is last night. He won every puck battle he had to. I think he was just moving people. Like pe- people didn't want to get into a corner with him because they knew they weren't going to come out with the puck. And he, when he's playing like that, he's one of Canada's most effective players. And he needs to, if they're going to win this tournament, I mentioned the United States playing well. Well, they have a lot of small forwards. And I think he can really take advantage of that if they do meet, which I think they will. He could be key in, in just being an offensive threat because either he can be in front of the net hacking away defensemen aren't going to be able to box him out or when he's playing uh, on the boards going against the Caulfields, the Zegrosses, the Bobby Brinks, the top players of the United States, they're smaller in stature. And I think he'll be able to, to body them and, and really use that to his, to his advantage and um, let the U S players pay a price for trying to get offensive zone time. Um. Cousins played great the whole game. Uh, he made a great steal on the fifth goal. I uh, found McMichael stole a puck uh, with Switzerland trying to break it out. Found McMichael alone in front. He buried it. Beautiful goal. One thing Canada struggled with last night was their breakouts. Um, I don't see a key system that they have that works. I don't. Even, it doesn't seem like they've been working on it, which is staggering. I can't believe that's true, but. You know, their D just, I find forwards now more than ever, they don't come back in their own zone. They they just, they see the D has a puck and there could be two guys coming and they're just like, oh, well, jailbreak, let's go. And, you know, that's not the way you should play. I mean, that's not fundamental hockey. You get the puck out, get it on your stick forwards, break it out and let's go. And Canada, Canada, you know, is like an NBA team. They have a great uh, fast break offense where if they can get a four on three, a three on two, you know, they're a threat to score every time they have the puck. And um, I just think they need to do more of that. Maybe their center has to come back in the zone a little bit more. But, you know, the only one that I really see that makes an effort to come back in all the time is Byfield. He He's a 200-foot player. Um, and, you know, he sh- I thought last night he played great. I think the game against Finland is going to be imperative for him. Cause like I mentioned, he's played one game the other two games, he really was a ghost. So if he can come in, play well, start to show some consistency, then he's the threat down the line for the rest of the tournament. But Switzerland just turned the puck over way too much to play against a team like Canada. The game ended 10 to nothing. And it wasn't even close. Uh, Switzerland, you know, they got a win against Germany tonight to, to move on. If not, they'll be out of the tournament in Germany. Germany with a win could uh, finish third in, in the division after the tough start they had. So um, another thing I found about Canada is they miss the net too often. They get a lot of point blank opportunities and they just miss the net. 
it didn't happen as much in the third period. I'll give them credit. They buried their opportunities in the third period. But I found the first two periods, they really were errant in their shots. Obviously, they got five goals in the third period, so they really piled it on after five, nothing after two. But um, I just think they can do a little bit more. Um, I'd like to see them play Alex Newhook more. He didn't play a lot last night. I don't know if he was nursing an injury or what, but he's a really effective forward. Um, if if they want, I think playing him with Dawson Mercer is not going to reignite uh, Pilche and Holloway. Playing him with uh, Dawson Mercer, I think they play similar. I think they're they're both really hard workers and could pay dividends down the line. But you know, Canada's big test will come tomorrow against the Finns. The Finns have played good hockey so far. Uh, Anton Lundell, their captain, he's a player to look out for. He uh, he scored in every game so far. He's a really a threat around the net and, and a great finisher. You know, he gets the puck. He's a huge body and when he gets the puck, he doesn't miss. So Cannon needs to have eyes on him the entire game and just be, be aware of where he is on the ice. Another player to watch is Brad Lambert. Now this kid's eligible for the draft this year. And he, number 33, just watch him. He is a flat out stud. If he doesn't go, I'm going to say top 10, but I honestly, it should be top five. If he doesn't go top five in this draft, scouts are high. This, this kid can do everything on the ice. Got great vision. He works hard on the board. 17 year old comes in, he's wearing the full cage. That's how you'll notice him because you have to wear that until you're 18. And he, he just has an impact on the game, even at 17 in this tournament, a 19 year old tournament. And, um, you know, Lund- Lundell plays well. I, I like Lambert a lot. And Finland doesn't have a lot of players that jump off the page, but they play a good structured game and they can finish when they need to. Uh, so I think there'll be a good test for Canada. Uh, it'll be a, it'll be for the group. So obviously a lot of pressure on both teams so they can get a easier quarterfinal matchup. But you know, the World Juniors have been a lot of fun so far. Uh, we got a full slate of games tomorrow, full slate uh, today. I still have to watch some games from this afternoon. So a lot to be decided. Um, also some news around the NHL, just thought I'd touch on. Today, Zidane Chara signed a one-year deal with the Washington Capitals. He's leaving Boston after 14 seasons as serving as their captain. This game is a shock to me. I thought there was a handshake deal in place where – once they figured out their cap situation, they just signed Char to what was, what was ever left, you know, 700 grand, the league minimum. But clearly Boston wanted to move in another direction and the nation's capital now has two of the best European hockey players of all time on one team in Alexander Ovechkin and Zidane Chara. And uh, I think it's a great move for Washington. You know, Zidane Chara is going to play fifth, sixth defenseman there. And that's where he needs to be. But the people saying that he can't play fifth, sixth defenseman, I don't believe that. He doesn't. He can't play first line minutes. That's 100% true. But the fact that he can't play top six minutes in the NHL anymore, I just don't see it that way. I think, I think he's still got still got some left in the tank. Short season, he won't be uh, as fatigued when the playoffs come around. And he uh, he's a great leader. And I, like I said, two of the best European hockey players on one team 
you know, with Ovi playing with uh, the Slovakian native being um, Chara, I think will be a lot of fun. And it's going to be weird to see him in a, in another Jersey. It's kind of like uh, Tom Brady leaving new England, him going to Tampa Bay, Chara going to, to Washington. This is a strange development, but um, it, it'll be a good storyline all year. Um, they're in the same division. So they'll be playing against each other. Obviously there will be no fans at least to start, but um, I think Chara will want to get his pound of flesh in when he can. And Boston, I suspect that we'll see Patrice Bergeron being named the next captain of the team before, before the puck drops two weeks from tonight. Also, um, Mike Hoffman, you know, he's the last free agent. A lot of free agents are still there, but he's probably the most coveted. He signed a pro tryout PTO, it's called, with the St. Louis Blues. And I got some texts from friends asking me to break this down, so I, I thought I would here. Him signing a pro tryout is only because St. Louis wants to manipulate the cap. So what that means is a day before the day or two before the season starts, the teams have to have their salary cap sent in. So what they'll do is Alex Steen was forced to retire because he has a degenerative uh, issue with his back. So he's, he was forced to retire. So his money will go on the long-term injury reserve, which means that it does not count against the, um, the St. Louis blues cap. So that money that was going to Alex Steen can now be distributed elsewhere. And he still counts on it right now because he's not in long term yet. And I've also heard that Vince Dunn, their defenseman, is injured. He may miss part of the season. So what they'll do is put Dunn and um, Steen on long term injury reserve, and they'll sign Mike Hoffman. I suspect a one year deal worth four or five million. Could be less, could be more. But once that their money is available, they'll see what they have. They'll sign him to that, um, and he'll be a St. Louis Blue for this season. And then. You know, for him, I'm sure he's hoping he has a big season scoring goals alongside, you know, Ryan O'Reilly and uh, the great crew of players they have in St. Louis. And it's a great signing for St. Louis. He's a 30 goal scorer. Obviously, it's a 56 game season, so prorated. But year over year, he's the 30 goal scorer. He's got one of the best shots in hockey. And St. Louis, I still think, can win a cup again. You know, they got Bennington, they got Ryan O'Reilly. They obviously lost for Trangelo, but they signed Tori Krug. They got Pareko, who I think by himself can be a number one defenseman. And, um, you know, they got every shot to to make a run here. And they're going to be dangerous. And I, down the line, they lost Jake Allen as well. He went to Montreal. But um, St. Louis is a team to watch. And uh, just just a threat. I think they're, they're a threat to win the Cup again. They're going to be angry. They lost to Vancouver in the first round there last year in the playoffs. So, They'll have something to prove this season with their new captain, Ryan O'Reilly. We also saw Montreal sign veteran called the worm, Corey Perry, to a one-year uh, league minimum deal. Um, I couldn't believe he hadn't been signed. I mean, in the playoffs, he was phenomenal for Dallas, scored the uh, overtime game winner in the Stanley Cup final in game five to force a game six. He scored some key goals. He plays the agitator role to a T had spent a lot of a lot of time in Dallas, uh, spent last year in Dallas after spending so much time in Anaheim, they didn't have a lot of interest in him. So he has the Montreal. Montreal, I think, had the best offseason maybe of any team in the NHL with the likes of Josh Anderson coming in the Max Domi deal, getting Jake Allen as a steady backup goaltender. Obviously here adding Corey Perry. And they're just a solid, solid team. 
with Philip Dano still uh, re-signing Brendan Gallagher. Um, obviously still having Carey Price, Shea Weber, re-signing Jeff Petrie. They, they have a team that I think is playoff bound. And Corey Perry may not have a big impact on the regular season, but when it comes to the playoffs, he, he will be ready for it. When the games gets tight, when the game gets heavy, that's where Corey Perry shines. And I think the Canadian division will be tough to make the playoffs, but I think Montreal will. And this signing will really uh, bear its fruit uh, come May and June when, when Montreal's in the playoffs against, uh, you know, potentially a Toronto or, you know, Winnipeg. So another good signing there. Um, here on to the point, we're going to finish out the world junior coverage. Um, this, the tournament ends uh, Tuesday evening, hopefully Canada winning the gold medal. Uh, and after that, I'm going to be doing uh, breakdowns of each division in the NHL. So the teams in it, what they did in the off season, what I uh, expect from them this coming season, how we see the, the division shaking out. And then um, after that, I'll do some prediction shows, things of that nature. And, you know, obviously hockey will be a key, uh, key thing to cover here onto the point going forward. So expect a ton of hockey coverage coming, obviously the NFL playoffs start next weekend. So we're not going to stop talking about that. The national championship, I'm going to do as much as I possibly can because I love coming on here and, and talking about it. And um, hopefully you guys are enjoying the content. As I mentioned before, you know, just leave me a comment, something you want me to talk about, reach out to me directly. I'm more than happy to do that. If you guys are listening, I want to make you guys experience as best as I possibly can. So just um, let's keep the dialogue coming and, and make the, make to the point, the best podcast it can be. So Canada, Finland tomorrow, uh, Sweden, United States tomorrow, um, New Year's Eve. I can't ask for a better New Year's Eve. Probably spend it uh, with the dog just watching hockey. So it, it should be a lot of fun. Um, it, everybody, uh, happy New Year. Have a safe New Year's Eve. If you're going out, you know, have, find a sober driver. Uh, other, other than that, um, I'll, we'll be talking tomorrow with Matt Wright for college football talking with Adam Beers this weekend about the NFL week 17. But until then, have a, have a great New Year's and we'll talk soon.